Happy Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to have you tuned in in this hour. And I've been waiting on this. It's been far too long since he and I were together. Acclaimed sax virtuoso Kalasi Washington joins us right now alongside Herbie Hancock. Uh, he is the 2023 Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival co-curator. And he joins us now to talk about his music and the festival taking place June 17th and 18th. I am honored to be in conversation right now with Kamazi Washington. Kamazi, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm good, man. If I complained, I've been in great. As I said, it's been far too long since you and I were connected. <laughs> I, I hate that you couldn't get into the studio today, but it's a it's a blessing to hear your voice. You've been well? I've been good. I've been real good. I'm really good. How about yourself? Man, I'm good, man. I'm just uh, glad to glad to be in dialogue with you. Uh, that, that piece we're playing is called Garden Path, and Miles told me, uh, as is often the case when we have artists on, uh, they choose some of the stuff they want to play in and out of our breaks. Uh, why did you choose Garden Path to begin our conversation, Kamasi Washington? Um, you know, I always like to, to head head towards the future. And that, that's that's the song. That's the um, the newest song I put out. It's, it's going to be on my on my next record that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you say that you always want to head toward the future musically, and this is a maybe an impossible question, but if anybody can handle it, you can. Heading toward the future musically means what for you? And you can take it anywhere you want to take it. What does that mean for you musically? Um, musically, it just means being honest with, with, with where you are and who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, because that that is the most current thing that you can be is who you are today. Um, and you know, so so to me, I mean, music is timeless, but you know, its re representation is is connected to who you are, you know. And so you can either kind of connect it to who you are today, or who you were t yesterday, or who someone else was. And so I always kind of try to connect it to who I am today. Yeah. Um, let me start with some big, some big and broad questions, and we'll narrow as we move through the hour. So let me start with this. What do you make? Um, so much has been written about it. Obviously, you become a huge international star, uh, courtesy of your gift on that saxophone, and you're, you're you're being such a great band leader. But what do you make of the journey from Hamilton High School to where you are right now? It's amazing. You know, I, 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 I'm definitely very thankful. You know, and I, I'm say, I can say I'm in, in a rare category of, people who have, you know, kind of made it beyond what they dreamed for, mm, you know, um, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I really just dreamed about being able to make good music. You know, that was really my dream. I just really dream about like, I literally would dream about taking solos that were kind of beyond what I was able to do. <laughs> and then, you know, I got to a certain level and, and, you know, I felt like I had some music that I wanted to share with the world. And, you know, um, you know, as I was, a, was, became, you know, a young adult, you know, you know, 18, 19 year old kid, I really just wanted to be able to share my music with the world, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to be able to, you know, I, I'm a second generation musician. So I grew up around my dad and a lot of his friends and, you know, so many musicians, um, great, great musicians that had music that, that could have really touched people, never got a chance to share that music. Um, and so I, I just used to always dream about being able to travel the world and, and play my music, you know, not yeah. just play other people's music, but to actually play my music. Yeah. We'll talk about your music as we move through this hour. But since you mentioned you're being a kid and mentioned your dad. So the story goes that when you were just a kid, about 13, your father left his soprano sax lying on the piano. Um, you, uh, as the story goes, were filled with curiosity about that. And you pick that thing up, and though you had never touched his sax before, 
the story is that you started playing it. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my 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 dad, you know, he grew up in the seventies where you know you were going to be a saxophone player. You, you kind of really needed to be a doubler. Yeah. Um, meaning that you needed to play saxophone, flute, and clarinet. And mm-hmm. of those three, saxophone is kind of considered the easiest. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, he, he, he wanted me to focus on clarinet. And so I, I never played a saxophone before just because he, he didn't want me to play it yet. He wanted me to, to get better on clarinet before he let me play a saxophone. But I was already listening to Wayne Shorter and John Coltrane and Charlie Parker. And so I was hearing the saxophone in my head. He was, he was telling me that it was the same thing as clarinet, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he left his saxophone out one day and I just grabbed it and I started playing it. And it was like, this is it. This is what I've been trying to do, you know. And it was, it was no turning back from then on. <laughs> can, can, can you can you put into words what that felt like? Like, so you're, you're playing clarinet, you pick up a saxophone for the first time, you start playing it, and you know instantly that this is what I'm supposed to be playing. Can you give me some sense of the best of your ability of what it is you were feeling? What was it in that moment that made you know that this was your instrument? You know, like it's almost like like you know what your voice sounds like, right? And so imagine all of a sudden waking up one day and you're speaking and you sound like a different person, mm-hmm. but you know what your voice is supposed to sound like. And then one day, you know, you put a certain tie on, <laughs> and your voice is back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, this is it. This this is this is what I sound like. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and this is you know this is my voice. This is this is like my this is this is how I, I express myself. Yeah. And so that was the feeling. I, I didn't know how you were gonna answer that question, Kamasi, but I love that answer. I, I didn't know. I said, I'm curious <laughs> I, I'm curious as to what it felt like. I don't know how he's gonna answer this because it's an impossible question to put into words sometimes how you feel, but I get it. And I think the audience gets it. I I, I get it. Yeah, it, that's it's a perfect analogy. So thank you for that. Uh let me just ask you, since you mentioned Wayne Shorter, or we lost Wayne Shorter not too too long ago. Um, just give me your 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 own tribute to to, to Wayne Shorter. Oh, Wayne Shorter was is a a master musician and a and a and a and a and a and a, and a angel of a person. You know, um, you know, um, he was the first saxophone player. Like that that song that I played when I picked the saxophone up that day was a Wayne Shorter song. It was my favorite song when I was a kid. It was called um, "Sleeping Dancer, Sleep On." And you know. Um, our Blakely and the Jazz Messengers was the first jazz band that I was just really like, you know, that was like my idol, you know, and uh, and Wayne Shorter was 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 the saxophone player in that band that I really really connected to, and um, you know, throughout my life, um, you know, he's always been an inspiration from afar. But you know, every so every so often he would he would kind of show up. So like um, when I was um, you know uh, probably ninth ninth grade, tenth grade, on tenth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, he he showed up and I was I was in a band called uh, the Motor School Jazz Band at Lock High School, and he came and he played with us and I was sitting right next to him, <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget I was so starstruck I was just like I couldn't believe Wayne Shorter was sitting next to me and I, all, all I can think to say was uh, I kind of looked at him I said you and Lee Morgan were friends huh <laughs> you sound like you guys are friends <laughs> and he kind of chuckled and was like yeah yeah that was my man you know yeah and uh. My friend Ronald, we were, we were playing at Catalina's Bar and Grill uh, later that month, mm-hmm. and, my, and Ronald Bruno Jr., who was a drummer in the band, he, he walked up to Wayne and said, "Hey, we're playing at Catalina's. You should come hear us." And uh, he showed up. 
Wow. He just showed up and, and you know, and it was it was a it was a huge inspiration to us. You know, we couldn't believe it. He showed up and had a had a whole booth. And, you know, I mean later on, you know, I would see I saw him with his with his band with, with uh with Brian Blade and, and Danilo Perez and, 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 and those guys and, and um and um John Patucci and, and, and that just, just totally inspired my playing again. You know, it was like they were so free. They were moving in the music in a way that just felt like there were no barriers. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, recently I went and saw his um his opera his uh his his uh his opera mm-hmm. and once again I was just totally inspired. So I mean I, I love Wayne Shorter and I and I, I wish him well in his next journey in the next life. And I'm so thankful for him being here and for me to be able to have had the moments that I had with him. He's an amazing artist, no question about it. And I'm just um, got goosebumps uh, with you telling that story about the way he supported you and literally just showed up to see you and your bandmates because you asked him to show up. Uh, that says a lot about who Wayne Shorter was beyond his uh, prodigious talent and immense gifts. We are playing right now um, some of the music of Wayne Shorter as we come forward in our conversation with Kamasi Washington and talk more about the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival on KBLA Talk 1580. It's the music. Of Kamasi Washington, who is the co-curator for this year's Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival, taking place June 17th and 18th. If you are in L.A. or lucky enough to get to L.A., the lineup is pretty amazing this year. We'll talk about what uh, Kamasi and Herbie Hancock have curated for your ears uh, this year. Uh, before I do that, we were talking moments ago, as you heard, with Kamasi about Wayne Shorter. There are three other persons I want to ask Kamasi about, and we'll talk about the festival. Um, the first person is Snoop, the second person is Raphael Sadiq, and the third person is Kendrick Lamar. Let me tell you why I want to ask Kamasi about each of these persons. Kamasi, in his second year at UCLA, where he went after going to Hamilton High here in Los Angeles, uh, he, he went on his first national tour with Snoop. So, Kamasi, you are, <laughs> you're, you're at UCLA. It's your first national tour, and you're doing it with Snoop. Take me back and tell me how that exp- about, about that experience then. Oh, it was it was definitely like a uh, a uh, a big experience, <laughs> you know, because um, I hadn't really done a lot of traveling before that. You mm-hmm. know, I think I've been to like Vegas, in like <laughs> LA, LA County. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, so one, I was like seeing the whole country, and. You know, seeing it from the eyes of Snoop Dogg, that's a whole other thing that very few people I've seen sight I was seeing sights of very few people I've seen at that point. Yeah. Um and um you know, I was just uh and it was also a big learning experience for me, for me musically, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, at that point in my life I had pretty much, you know, I've been playing jazz and I've been playing some classical music as well. Mm-hmm. And I you know, I play a few gigs and some other styles of music, but I had never really like played in a in a in a, a hip hop um in a hip hop band. Yeah. And you know, um and so all of a sudden I was thrust into this into this musical situation with, with all these really amazing musicians who had a different approach to music. Um it was like a more they were they, they were looking at music like I, I I've said this analogy before, they were looking at music like it was through a, a microscope. Mm-hmm. So it was like every note had to be exactly the way they were kind of hearing it. All the phrasing had to be exactly, it was like a microcosm, you know? And so all of a sudden, I, it's like jazz, I was so used to kind of trying to think in this kind of very broad way and trying to find the 
the the notes and the rhythms and the and the, the music that was out of the reach of 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 you know of the of of man you know and then here i was kind of going to this other place where it was like about really coming into the inner workings of the human <clears throat> musical experience and mm-hmm. so it was uh you know it was it was an interesting thing at the same time you know learning how to get through the party yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah through all the smoke I, I get you i get you i get you yeah uh, let, me, <laughs> let, let me just ask you right before, before i move on to rafael sadiq and i'll tell the audience why i want to do that in just a second um when you said a moment ago that you are you're you're hanging out with with snoop and other artists who see music differently their approach to music is different than yours i assume based on the prodigious you know stuff you've already produced uh, the brilliant stuff you've already given us that you get turned on by being in situations where you're you know collaborating or appearing with or working with or just around people who see music differently than you that turns you on it seems to me yeah well that's, that's where growth comes in yeah you know growth comes in 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 the unknown and music mm-hmm. you know and so so for me it was like you know that i grew so much in my phrasing and, and in my ability to kind of hear another person playing and to be able to hear music at a whole nother level playing with Snoop, you know? And like the whole idea of like being like a record head, you know, like Snoop knew so much. He was like, he was like a musicologist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Uh, He knew every record and he knew all the songs and all the, you know, and it was like in that aspect too, I, I, you know, I I had records and I listened to music, but I had like, you know, taken the time to really study the records yeah. like that, you yeah. know, and that was another thing in that circle. That yeah. they were doing. It's funny to hear you. It's funny to hear you refer to Snoop as a musicologist. Uh, he is, if you know him and you do obviously, uh, but you're hanging out with him while you're studying ethnomusicology at UCLA. So that's, that's kind of funny. Um, I mentioned Raphael Sadiq and I, w- <laughs> I want to ask you, I want to ask you about Raphael. I love Raphael. I haven't seen him in a while. He's on the bill at the, at the bowl uh, for the jazz festival this year that you and Herbie Hancock have curated. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but Raphael, Sadiq, I haven't seen in so long, uh, but he's on the bill again for the, the 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 jazz festival this year. So Snoop is your first national tour, and then you go on your first international tour with R and B legend Raphael Sadiq. Tell me about that part. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, it was it was a big <laughs> shift uh, culturally. <laughs> uh, just just the, the way Snoop read his band and the way Raphael read ran his. <laughs> But it was again, once again, it was, it was a learning experience for him because Raphael is such a brilliant musician, yes. you know, and 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 um, and he was he was never like the thing with playing with Raphael was that like you never know when he was going to change the music, mm-hmm. you know. And I've kind of kept that. I caught that bug with Raphael and never let it go, you mm-hmm. know. That's part of the reason why I always kind of keep my music kind of like the, the the possibilities are always open because you never knew when Raphael was going to add an intro or an outro or, mm. or a transition from one song to another. And he would just say it in, 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 you know, backstage right before we got to go out and play. And, um, and, you know, um, he was the first person I was playing saxophone and keys with, and he was the first time I went to Europe and just like, just style and, and just, just another, another really like great musical, like just kind of, um, guru. Yeah, yeah it was uh, I was, I was working with my, my feel so deep. No, he's a bad boy, bad boy. And speaking of bad boys, Kendrick Lamar, um, you work with Kendrick on his acclaimed 2015 project to pimp a butterfly. Um, there are always these debates about the goat, and there are many people 
who already have Kendrick as the GOAT, even at this point in his career. Uh, but talk to me about the experience of working on what has become, uh, what became pretty quickly, an iconic piece of work to Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 he on my list too. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Terrence Terrence Martin um, called me to to come work on that record, and I was already a huge fan of Kendrick's um, from years before. Um, um, back in the early two thousands, Terrence was telling us about this young guy Kendrick Lamar. He called him the John Coltrane of rap, mm. and he used to tell us like this dude is, this dude is going to change rap, and it's before anybody knew about. Him. He was telling us, and he was telling us, and then you know, um, when um, Good Kid, Mad City came out, you know, I was like, yeah, he was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, so when he, he called me to, to come work on Tipping Butterfly, you know, um, I was expecting to kind of do something that they were gonna, you know, usually when the name broke, you don't fix it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I, I came in kind of expecting something kind of in that vein, you know. And then I got there and I heard, I mean, they, they were already, you know, 70, 60, 70% done with the record. They were, you know, they were very far, far along on it when they came in. And I was just blown away because it was one, a whole new sound. And it was, it was one of the most amazing things I ever heard. I, I didn't really know what they wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what do you want me to add to this? Because, you know, Terrace had put so much amazing saxophone work on it and stuff like that. And so when he told me, you know, they wanted me to, 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 to do, because, a few weeks before that, I was working on Terrace's record, um, and I had just finished the epic. It hadn't come out yet, but I, it was we we finished it, and so I was letting them hear the epic. And the epic had all the strings and stuff. And so Terrace asked me who uh, who did the strings, and I told him I did the strings. Mm. And so when I came in to do Tip and Butterfly, you know, that's what they asked me to do. They asked me to do some orchestral arrangements. I, I ended up playing a little saxophone, a few songs too. But um, so we just went through each song. Yeah. Um, and uh, originally, I was only supposed to play on Mortal Man, the one. Um, and but in for him, for him to feel like I understood what Mortal Man was about, he wanted to play the whole record for me. And so he played the whole record down. What they had out of the record at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, as he was playing, he ended up saying, "Oh, well, put some on this song too, and this song, <laughs> and on that one too." And, <laughs> And um, and the amazing thing was, you know, um, you know, they, they were obviously because it's such a high profile record. They were very secretive about the record, so I had to do all my work there. Like, yeah. you know, normally I would take the record home and write at home, but instead I was writing there. And Kendrick would literally just sit there on the couch while I was, you know, writing up these things, arrangements and stuff. And um, it was really cool because it was so open. You know, he yeah. had all these great musicians. And we had all played on a lot of records before, and, and normally, like he, he's always loud because we were, normally we you had to sneak the cool stuff onto the records. Yeah, <laughs> you know, everyone wants to kind of like simplify you and keep you kind of in this little small box, so you'd have to like trick him and let you put something cool on the record. I love how you said that. But sneak, sneak, sneak. I love that. Sneak the cool stuff on the record. You got to sneak it on the record. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but Kendrick was actually the opposite. He was like, "Give me more. Put put everything in there." You yeah. know. Make it, you know. So I was over there writing some real, you know, in, you know, dense kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was, um, it was just great to have to work with an artist of his level, who could understand that, and then could take it and create something even more beautiful with it. You know. Wow. So it was a, 
it was a beautiful experience for me. I've got two minutes before news, traffic, and sports. Let me do this right, right quick in these two minutes. On the other side, we'll talk expressly and specifically about the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival and what you can expect uh, from the mind uh, of Kamazi Washington and his co-curator, Herbie Hancock. Before I do that, though, let me ask you right quick. I love strings, Kamasi. I love, love, love strings. always have, and obviously you're pretty good at it. Um, what is it about strings that you love so much and um, the way you approach it? Yeah, I mean... Um... Uh, I've always been a, a, a fan of, of, of large ensembles. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I was a, when I was a kid, Gerald Wilson was, was my favorite uh, composer. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, in that, I got uh, exposed to people like Stravinsky and, and, and uh, Ravel. And, you know, um, the orchestra, it's like, um, it adds this this layer of just... It's like butter. Mm. <laughs> it's like a layer of butter that you can just put and mix into anything, you know. And but you know, butter makes everything better. Oh yeah. And, uh, and so you know, for me, you know, when I was making the epic in particular, you know, um, I had been listening to to this Stravinsky um, piece called Symphony of Songs, mm-hmm. and. I remember just thinking, like, oh man, I can only imagine if somehow John Coltrane just met <laughs> met Stravinsky and somehow convinced him to let him just play over this. It would be so amazing. And I was, I thought, I was like, oh man, what if I did that in reverse? Though? What if, instead of like kind of because sometimes as an improv, when you're improvising over set music, it kind of limits you, yeah. you know. So my idea was just to like to make some music that was limitless first, yeah. where we can go anywhere and do anything, and then create a set piece yeah. on top of that. I love the way you. I love the way your mind works, and I love that word "limitless." Um, as you were talking about strings, speaking of limitless, my mind went to to to, to the Love Unlimited Orchestra. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Barry White fan. That Love Unlimited thing is 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 on a whole other level, and nothing more fun. Uh, if you've never seen it, you should Google. Just Google Barry White and watch him uh, as conductor of of the Love Unlimited Orchestra. Just watching him is a treat unto itself, say nothing of the music. But like Kamasi Washington, I love, love, love strings. When we come forward after news, traffic, and sports, we'll talk about the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival, June 17 and 18, and tell you a bit more about what Kamasi uh, and uh, Herbie Hancock have curated for you this year on KBLA Talk 1580. The smooth song stylings of Kamasi Washington on KBLA Talk 1580. That's my jazz voice. <laughs> Uh, Kamasi's our guest uh, in uh, in this hour, at least for another 10 minutes. Uh, he's got to get back to work preparing for uh, the jazz festival that he's curating with Herbie Hancock, June 17 and 18, at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, I love this track, Kamasi, Sun-Kissed Child. Say a word about it, will you? Yeah, it's a song I, I, I recently became a father, and so it's a song I wrote for my daughter. Yeah. Um, and it was just uh, a moment that I, when I saw her, I just saw this glimpse of of hope in a way like okay you know i get a chance to kind of give everything that i've learned to someone in the hopes that they are able to create a world that's even better than one that i I live in yeah that's the hope man that's the hope for our babies so uh no it's a beautiful beautiful track and i'm glad we could uh, get some of it on while we had uh, you uh on our program so let me go straight away to um the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival, again, June 17 and 18 in the uh, six minutes I have left with you. Um, it must be a great honor uh, to be asked to curate uh, the uh, the Jazz Festival lineup alongside Herbie Hancock. Just tell me about the experience, Kamasi. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I mean, um, 
when I got the call, it was like another one of those kind of like surreal moments where you go like, wow, you know. I'm mean, I always feel like that any time I talk to Herbie Hancock, I feel the need to say, hey, Mr. Hancock, you may not remember me, but <laughs> 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 just because I just can't get wrap my mind around it. I know Herbie Hancock like yeah. that, you know. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when we, were, when we were kind of going through the different artists and different ideas, you know, it was just great for me to be able to kind of just add whatever um, little insights that I had, you know. Um, and so, you know, um, I'm, I'm super excited for the lineup that we, that we kind of finally came up with. And, as you know, we had a lot of names mm-hmm. <laughs> that were thrown out there, obviously. You know, and and you know, ultimately, you know, there's there's only so many hours of the day, so we had to kind of sure. like boil it down to what to what it is. But it was a really fun process, and, and mm-hmm. to be able to, it's like uh, it's almost like preparing a, a, a seven course meal, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where you get to kind of like think of well, this this music will then lead people to this, and when you know, you know what I mean. So it was kind of a a different way of thinking yeah. about music. Um. I would call it eclectic. Um, that's just one word for it. Um, how would you describe um, uh, what you and, and Herbie have put together in terms of the artists who are on the bill this year? Yeah, I mean, eclectic is a good word. Um, it's 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 a um, it's it's an experience to mm-hmm. me. I mean, it's it's an experience that um, that kind of crosses a lot of different lines, and it um, it it's, it's indicative of the world of music today which yeah. is a world where so many different styles and so many different types of music live alongside each other, you yeah. know, um, which is different than it used to be. It used to be like, you know, you know, music's were segregated. <laughs> you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you even had to wear separate clothes <laughs> if you were mm-hmm. into certain types of music, you know. Um, and so now it's, it's with, with the way people consume music, you know, they consume it the same way. They, they, yeah. They're here and then they're there and then they go there and then they go there. And I, and I and I enjoy listening to music in that way, um, mm-hmm. and so it was it was almost like, you know, taking a a moment of like you know how I like to do at the house <laughs> when I'm just listening to music, and kind of bringing it in a live setting, you know, to to one of the biggest and most prestigious you know stages in the world. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see um, to, to see you obviously um, on stage, um, but then there's Rafael Sadiq and and Leon Bridges. I mean, it's 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 a pretty pretty good rundown um this year um who are some of the folks you you think you hope at least people will be excited to see oh yeah like you said yeah leon bridges rafael sadiq um bell dip devoe um um uh samara and and lionel leckley and 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 um um the praise connection that mm-hmm. was a cool one that, I, that, that you know if you're from la you kind of know about that oh yeah um yeah, I mean the West Coast Get Down. That's that's kind of the group that I grew up with, sure. and you know, um, how do you, how, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited for all of it. No, no, <laughs> it, it, it's mentioned everybody almost. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an amazing rundown. Let me ask you this: before I lose you, I've got about two minutes to go, and you got to get back to work. Um, when when people hear uh, or when they see that this is the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival, and they see Belle Biv DeVoe <laughs> and others on the rundown. Uh, ex- explain how that all works because some people see some folks see that as a disconnect. I mean, they said it was a jazz festival. Again, some folks see it as a disconnect. How do you see it? I see it as a connect instead of a disconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like you know, um, in particular with African American music, it's 
we, we, we create all these, these genres that kind of split everything up. But the reality is that all these musics are very related to one another mm-hmm. and um, they're connected, you know, and, and, and there's no, I don't see a huge benefit to them being disconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at them as being like, and so to have the moment to have the music kind of feel like we're all family is is a beautiful thing, yeah. you know, and I think that when people go and they and they experience and they and they, and they absorb the music and its whole and the, and the festival and its whole mm-hmm. lineup, they'll get that same feeling. Yeah. They'll get that feeling of like, you know, it's like a steak is beautiful, but it's, it's also great to have a little, uh, you know, salad and some, you know dessert <laughs> and maybe you know maybe a little risotto. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's you know if it's that that kind of seven course meal and it's like. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I always said, like, you know, like someone like James Brown could have easily been called jazz. Oh, yeah. And if he had been called jazz, would there even be a word of hip hop? Or would mm-hmm. we just call hip hop the new version of jazz, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, you know, to me, it's, 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 it's going to be, I, I know it's going to be a beautiful day. And I know that people that if they give it a chance, they, they're going to have a beautiful time. I'm sure they will. Um, it's hard to argue with anything curated by Kamasi Washington and Herbie Hancock. Uh, and they did it together. The Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival uh, will be uh, a two-day celebration, as it always is, June 17th and 18th at the Hollywood Bowl. Kamasi Washington, man, always a good, uh, a great time hanging out with you and talking to you. I'll have to see you soon. I, I, actually, I'll see you at the, at the bowl. But thanks for coming on, man, and have a, have a great show. I appreciate you. Love you, brother. All right, same here. Thank you for having me. All right, stay strong, man. When we come forward, um, uh, a few comments about the announcement yesterday from Dr. Cornell West that he's running for president on the People's Party ticket. Uh, We'll talk about that. We'll play some sound uh, for you from Dr. West if you haven't heard uh, him express why he's running. And then we'll tee up our conversation with him Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Cornell West live in studio here on KBLA Talk 1580.